0: Hey Peter Howard here on the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Don't let them know, keep it quiet, but I've infiltrated the nerd base. Come check out the show, I'll tell you how to beat them. Thanks. Yeah!
1: Chicken a crow, crow, chicken a crow, crossing the... Hey Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Do you find yourself thinking about nerds? Do you want to beat nerds all the time? Do you sometimes... I don't know, whatever
0: Dynasty house would say, listen to the Dynasty Crossroads, I hope you beat the nerds. Let's go. Yeah!
1: Chicken a crow, crow, chicken a crow, crossing the...
0: We're now entering Superflex City population, all the QBs, all the Superflex content, and all of you Superflexers. Superflex finally has a home all its own and the city never sleeps. Superflexperts, Superflexible, the Superflex Super Show, and much much more all under one city skyline means you never have to leave Superflex City. Every ounce of Superflex advice, theory, speculation, and strategy on the planet lives right here. Subscribe to the Superflex City podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts and get access to the only fantasy football entity on earth that is committed entirely to Superflex. Let the Superflex Authority be your tour guide as you explore these city streets. Welcome to Superflex City. Football.com and a DLF family, a podcast. Roaming the streets, a super flex city. It's me, it's me, it's that OSFD, and this is the super flex super show. Hope that one works. It's <laughs> just kinda of the big build-up and then the small little little intro for you. Um because you know what i don't feel like we need that extra energy boost today uh because i'm i'm here co-hostless but i'm not going solo brought back one of my one of my friends and one of my all-time favorite guests jordan mcnamara at mcnamara dynasty the analytics of dynasty part three the third uh the third uh, installment is out now, available at analyticsofdynasty.com, and uh, you can also, while you're there, you can also pick up parts one and two, the 2020 and 2019 editions. You can bundle all of them together. <laughs> you can subscribe and make sure that you've got all of them, plus what's coming out in 2022 and beyond. Man, they're like, it, it, it's all happening, Jordan. <laughs> it's it's all it's all there. And uh, I think everybody's just kind of, uh, every, everybody's curious what you've got for us this year. Do you have any uh, any highlights to hit on for us?
1: Yeah, so it's good to be back. And I like, this is always a fun stop. And I'll, I'll say, yeah. starting early, uh, you know, we, we recorded basically from our introduction, you know, from, from the inception of the call, which is a, a good strategy with the two of us because we tend hey. to... Uh the first forty minutes tends to be hot and heavy, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we should probably hit record at some point, so we've uh we've left some really good stuff on the uh well, to and, the ethers and and I don't know if you noticed,
0: but i uh almost as soon as you got on here, I mean, we talked music for a minute and then mm-hmm. uh and then and I thought of it, I was like, I hit record just in case like it needs to be, <laughs> there there needs to be documentation of everything that's said here. Uh, whether it's, you know, directly related to what we
1: uh, intend to talk about or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so this this analytics of Dynasty, this 2021 edition, you know, every year is a little bit different. And it's funny because, you know, people ask, you know, what's what's different this year than versus last year or whatnot. Um, every year is different in terms of some of the things I look at and some of the things that, that kind of interest me are different yeah. angles on stuff. And So like last year was a lot about kind of like production profiles and sort of how do we think about them and sort of, uh, you know, that this year is a lot about market value. And uh, so I looked at, you know, just different ways in which the market moves. Um, I think it's really interesting in terms of when we see player production, age is a huge deal. Um, You know, one of the things that I I love to think about is, you know, I, I look at players from basically a a couple of uh, different ways uh, and I think it tends to be pretty valuable before I even look at really what they're anything specific to them the first way is to look at what their uh what their what their base rate is or what some of their fundamentals are so what I mean by that is like I look at player round that they went in the NFL draft their experience and then if they've hit or not is is a little bit um uh, it basically changes their trajectory, right? If a running back has a top 24 hit, that puts them on a different strata than a running back who hasn't hit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with wide receiver, same thing with quarterback. That's a top 12 hit and same, and that's uh top 12 for tight end as well. Those guys perform a lot differently going into the future. So I sort of look at that, but I think adjusting that, right? That gives you some information. Uh, it gives you, I think it's a really good place to start from. So it's base rates right. and sort of density rates, but I think really uh, then incorporating some of the market value stuff is really helpful. So, right. If you see a guy that's going in the, I don't know, if you see a guy who's a, for some reason, a second round running back and he's going in the 12th round as a second round as a second year player, that, that should that means something vastly different than I got. It's going in like the sixth round or the fourth round, right? There's information there. So kind of incorporating those two numbers together, I think is a really interesting way to start. So that's kind of mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that I, I have in so ter- you know, the hit rates by round and those sorts of things can be really helpful in terms of generating an initial place to start with players. And then, um, and yeah, so it's a lot of that. And then I looked at, I was really interested in looking at like some different player arcs, like some more discrete ones. So, you know, getting the idea of, uh, I call something, uh, You know, like a rookie hit, which is a basically a starter season as a rookie. And then I looked at something called developmental hits too, which is basically like kind of your running back that finishes as an RB three or your wide receiver that finishes as an RB three and sort of looking at those different profiles, tight end, uh, and quarterback, basically 13 through 18, right. Um, kind of looking at those and sort of how they finish and sort of how their market moves. Like those things are really interesting. Um, and then this year is the first year of contributors actually. So I had three different contributors. Um, people I'm sure you guys are familiar with, uh, Peter Howard did uh, rookie metrics, which is phenomenal. I've for like, three or four years, I've always thought like, man, you know, someone should really write like uh, kind of like a definitive, like essentially like a catalog of all the stuff that we know about rookies in terms of, you know, like the studies and, and, you know, and, and sort of what we sort of know is important about the different positions because everything changes by position. And it's, always, it's constantly different research. Peter did an unbelievable job of doing that. Um, so that's great. And then uh, Scott Connor as well did uh, um, a tight end premium uh, section, which is fantastic. That's a question I get all the time. And it's one of those things I was like, this is an analytics, of dynasty thing. Um, you know, Scott, I was talking to Scott and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll and sort of, he volunteered it. It was great. And then, uh, you know, the way he looked at it, it was some really, really, in, um, important information in terms of how you think about it strategically, which is great. And then, um, yeah. And then my co-host over at football guys, Chad Parsons, also wrote something on roster retention rates, which is really, I think, uh, it's fantastic because one of the things that I tend to see over and over again is people play for kind of the wrong window. So people will play dynasty in like a really long-term window on the back end of your roster. And that's kind of a bad idea. And historically that sort of backs up because the, the only about, you know, the, the roster retention rate isn't as high as we think it is, right? We play this long-term game, but you know, if 12 to 14 guys in a, in a, A 25 man league, a 25 man roster sort of survive a year. Like that's a pretty high number, right? So, uh, whether or not they're traded or caught or you know retire anything like that, so I think looking at those things and having a reasonable expectation of of what to expect in terms of what these guys can contribute to to your lineup and your roster and your your valuation system. I think that's really, really helpful. So I looked at a lot of those things. And then again, I, I like to do a big thing on strategy in it too. So I did a ton of stuff basically incorporating other strategies from other places. Like I think basketball is a really good way to think about dynasty fantasy football um, in terms of like a lot of the stuff we see in the NBA. And I incorporated some stuff from poker. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's a system I call it's a book written by a woman by the name is Susie Welch. She talks about 10, 10, 10, 10, uh, 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years. In terms of decision-making processes and how to evaluate sort of your your thought process, um, I sort of transitioned it into two, two, two for Dynasty. So two, uh, two weeks, two months, two years—basically, kind of your short, medium, and long-term. How those different things should influence your team. So, yeah. And then I got a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, I could keep going down the table of contents, but um, but yeah. I mean, you can. It's it's all new this year. It's all different, and it sort of builds on the old stuff, but isn't just an update of it, which is kind of fun.
0: Man. And, and like I was telling you, you know, kind of before we got going, it's, it's so tough because like, I mean, I want to just like dive into every single one of those, unpack every single one of them. Um, I guess then there wouldn't be much reason to read the book (laughs) (laughs) if I made you just, you know, (laughs) just relay all of it to, to all of us right now. Um, so, so, you know, so we're going to have to hold some of it back, but man, like all of that stuff is, is, you know, really intriguing to me. And, and I, I do want to talk market value a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just because and in, I'm totally putting you on the spot. Like I didn't prepare you for this, um, but I wasn't prepared for it to come up if I'm being totally <laughs> honest. Um, but you know, so uh, I, I, I created a super flex theorem for, you know, basically saying that, you know, in a super flex league, if a quarterback goes, you know. Uh, you know, within two rounds of a non-quarterback, then after the startup is over, you know, the quarterback is going to have equal or greater value to that non-quarterback. So essentially, you know, thinking in terms of market value, where their ADP is, you know, call it a sixth round quarterback versus a fourth round wide receiver. Once the startup's over and, you know, scarcity, positional scarcity sets in, it's really going to take that fourth round wide receiver to get that sixth round quarterback and that's kind of that feels like you know the minimum in a lot of cases um it also differs a little bit based on which rounds you're talking about like a mm-hmm. first round quarterback is is it it's it's a lot harder to to quantify that value but so I guess the question, though, being, I, you know, kind of, what are the inputs that you look at when you talk about market value? Obviously, ADP, but you know, there's also just kind of this totally separate, you know, value that that exists outside of the startup. Um, ADP is 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 so tough because that's kind of what what we really have to go off of. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there's also kind of the small sample size, I suppose. Of um, you know, you can use the trade finder on dynastyleaguefootball.com mm-hmm. and kind of see other trades that have been made. But man, first of all, like I said, small sample size, very imperfect. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know, relativity that goes into that. So, so like how how you know for for those who have been. You know they're they're you know one plus n removed from the from their startup draft you know how can they use adp what other tools can they use you know things like that how, how do you get to a market value for somebody who's you know that far
1: removed from the startup yeah that's a good question so one of the problems with sort of doing a historical study on market value and superflexes. I don't really trust the data um, and I don't trust it in a way that it's really tough to uh, get any sort of sample size after the fact. So what I mean by that is like, you can go back to maybe like 2016 and get some like superflex startup data. Um, I, I don't love it. The, the rookie stuff I don't think is right. Um, some of the historic stuff, right. It doesn't, it looks vastly different than than uh, either I remember it or B that it looks now. So right. it's kind of tough to do that. Um, and so more and more, like I can, I think every year I could write something new on Superflex just because we'll have more more market data, which I think super important. Um, I think generally speaking, um, I, I do. I think you're right. I think you have to pay sort of a, a couple rounds earlier for for a, a quarterback uh, at a different position. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, the fourth round wide receiver for the sixth round quarterback. I think that's kind of along the right lines. Um, I, I tend to think that generally that we um, <clears throat> that we take too big of bets at quarterback on guys that aren't like locked in sure things. Right. So um so one of those would be like taking uh, Lawrence. at Like I've got some real drafts that I'm tracking, and the 101 is going at 110 startup drafts. That just seems too high. right? It just seems too high. And one of the things that I found is actually really, really interesting is when you go back and look. I actually have, in terms of, and again, I've I've got what's it, 12, 13 years worth of startup eight, or uh, worth of ADP now. It's all start one, and you know we. To do some stuff with it to sort of, we can still look at it and use it as a reference point for quarterbacks and those sorts of things. What you see is, is actually that that quarterbacks historically have jumped in valuation going forward, right? That like, you know, the early, the first round guys, um, you know, uh, first round guys, 75% of them have been over their uh, rookie startup draft valuation by year. Okay. So that's like, you know, going from their rookie draft to their second year. That's pretty good uh, in terms of looking at a number. A couple of caveats on that, right? That is, that looks much more like those quarterbacks being, right? That's, that's with an ADP and sort of start one looking like between 80 and a hundred historically, right? So when you sort of get guys going up in the third round, I don't, I think that's the wrong take from it, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that, oh yeah, we can sort of take Lawrence at, I don't know a quarterback eight or whatever, and take him you know really early, uh, you know in the you know if we were sort of to bump over to the the uh, startup you know the start one sort of valuation, this would be maybe like a fifth or sixth round startup pick, um, and you could say like ah, like that. See the, the problem with that is like you, it's tough to go up from there, right? I mean it's it's a lot tougher to to go up from. You have to be excellent from a uh, from a, from a really early age. Whereas if you were to sort of wait and take someone like, for example, last year, Herbert, right. That's, he was much more going in the range where you see those quarterbacks actually ascend in price, right. Cause there's a lot more, there's just a lot more room to grow. Um, so that's one of the things that I think if you're going to kind of play the volume, the value game, I tend to not worry about it just because I think we're really bad at predicting it. Um, the, i would say the other thing too and this might be a herbert cautionary tale 75 percent of quarterbacks are up after the first year right so but if you go another year out so after two years of being in the league those rookie guys it's a 5050 split right so if you're up in valuation i think you need to take you need to take a pretty hard look at you know is that right um, and if not like that's the time to cash right so um, you know herbert's a different Herbert's uh, I think probably good Um, you know, so maybe he's the exception to that rule, but some of these other guys too, you know, you look at guys like Jalen hurts, right. Then the odds that those guys are up in valuation, isn't that high, right? So he's already sort of collecting a profit over the, over the initial cost. Right. I think that's a a thing you need to evaluate. The other thing too, is I think you need to um, yeah, I I would much rather make a quarterback prove it to me Mm -hmm. than, get in too early. Right. And the NFL teams do this all the time. And this is like, they got to stop, you know, a lot of Dallas took a a lot of flack for not getting a deal done with Dak. I actually think it was kind of brilliant because if you sort of wait another year, like he's not going anywhere you get, you can tag him again, right? Like he's not, he's not walking out the door except if he's bad, right? Like at at which point you just saved yourself a hundred million dollars right? yeah. You just saved yourself the albatross that is uh, Carson Wentz. You saved yourself the problem that is Jared Goff, right? You just saved yourself that. When you sort of look at these guys and we, we overestimate how many of these guys are going to be true long-term difference makers. I went back and I looked basically from like 2010 and up through 2000. And I think it was 18. that I looked, uh, it was like 30 quarterbacks. who went in the first round, nine of them, well, seven of them had been um, extended, right? Had sort of gotten that long-term franchise quarterback extension. Two more are sort of on that track, and that would be uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I didn't include Kyler Murray or Baker in this calculus just because I was uh, I didn't include Kyler's and year and Baker I'm not certain on, right? So, um, you know, so basically that's nine. At, so, again, assuming that Allen and, and Lamar are those guys, that's nine out of 30. Yeah. Which is a really low number. And then when you sort of break those down and look at them, right, again, we'll take out Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Cause we don't know how they did on their super on their, on their extension. Uh, one of them is Carson Wentz. The other one is Jared Goff. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, man, you know, like this is a lot like this is a lot tougher of a situation than we thought. Right. Like this isn't quite <laughs> good. I think Cam Newton was one of them. I mean, when you sort of uh, Andrew Luck was one. But again, like how how do we sort of grade that? Right. So just the idea that these guys are sort of locked in long term, I think, is kind of a cautionary thing. Um, and, and maybe we kind of overdo it in terms of you know, I would much rather sort of take the certain, the, the guy we know a lot about kind of like if you're dating someone, right? Like you don't want to marry someone on a first date, kind of what it feels like we do with some of these quarterbacks uh, Wait you know, have them meet the family, you know, take them, (laughs) take them on a vacation, see how that goes, you know, like, let's see see how things go when it's not good, you know, I mean, like, share a bathroom, bathroom, (laughs) right, move in together, right, like, all those things, you know, let's see, let's see them when they're sick, right, or, you know, like, (laughs) let's do all these things, let's live through through a pandemic, you know, all these, all these things that you could sort of do to get to know someone. I think those are things that you should kind of think about and use in your quarterback evaluation.
0: Man, the pandemic thing like that's that's extreme in the way that Justin <laughs> Herbert is kind of has been extreme for us. Like, yeah, because the the tough part with Justin Herbert was, you know, first of all, so he was I, and I don't even I don't even have the ADP in front of me at the moment. But I'm guessing somewhere in the like s- as a startup, probably somewhere around like the 12th, 13th round um, in uh, t- in twenty twenty. And then, and it, you know, and, and the idea was we've got three quarterbacks here. What are the odds that all three of them hit? And we know Burrow's going to hit because he's first overall. He just had this monster college season. We know Tua's going to hit. We've been on him for several years. So Herbert's kind of kind of the odd man out. So we were buying him. We're getting him well, well below his ceiling, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. Just kind of assuming the worst. For Herbert, and then it turns out that he's the best of the three, at least you know in terms of the the season that he that they had as a rookie. But now you have to get him in the first round of a startup, and you're buying him at his absolute ceiling. So, and and I mean, odds are at least you know this is just my guess, but odds are he's going to drop again if he doesn't if he doesn't have a similar season. In 2021, which I mean, most likely scenario, honestly, is he probably doesn't like there's probably some regression coming from that, you know, so like it, it, it's it's going to be very volatile. It's going to be very unstable and it feels like that's and, and it kind of it also sounds like what you're saying is that that's what happens with these younger quarterbacks like it starts off just kind of very unstable it, like, is there a point though where they just kind of settle in, and where you can just kind of trust, uh, like you said, you you know, you've collected enough information. Now I can I can I can kind of trust this guy at his ADP that he's just going to kind of hang out in that range for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I so I don't care much about a player's value, mm-hmm. uh, and that might seem like kind of like a shock statement. I'm not necessarily worried about. Trying to preserve a player's long-term valuation, yeah. Uh, most of the time, right? If I'm, if I'm, I don't want to grab a falling knife in the first round of a startup draft, right? That's, but I don't necessarily. On the flip side of that, I, I don't really try and make an attractive roster, right? Because I think there's inefficiencies in the roster in in the game that we play that I want to exploit. And if I'm the reason that they're inefficient, is is because they're unattractive to other people. Right. And so part of that is right. If I'm going to sort of try and have like beat people on the efficiency, I have a hard time sort of crafting a predictably like more valuable roster. I think a lot of people would. And if, if, if you sort of like went and looked at it, I think uh, you know, the people that we would sort of project to be more valuable next year. I just saw it today. Someone was like, who's the most likely person to be the, the wide receiver in the top 12 of ADP next year. And, you know, it's like 75% of people are answering the right, uh, you know, answering Jamar Chase. And I was like, that's absolutely not right. Like, it's just not because like historically that's, it's, it's just not right. We don't see that sort of certainty. Right. And so that's one of the things that I would say, and, you know, just, just, um, you know, the other thing too is, is I I think that this is going to be a year to test my faith on this. Um, but when you sort of look at at guys drafted in the top 10, which is really where we should try and get rookie quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the odds that someone hits for multiple, you know, for, for multiple hits out of that group is like a coin flip. Really? Yes. And, and that's the thing that people like sort of get, you know, it's it's the odds that someone posts two top twelve seasons in there is about is about fifty percent, mm-hmm. um, and so that's you know that's not certain, right? That is anything but it. And that's uh, but that's still better than than most draft capitals, though, right? Is
0: there's like most of them are are even worse than that. Like like you get later in the first round, into the second and third.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And and actually it's interesting because like first round guys that aren't in the top 10 almost look exactly the same as second round. Like you could sort of make that one hmm. big here, yeah. Um, which is interesting. Um, uh, but yeah. It, so w- the other fascinating thing that I've found with, with guys in the top 10 is if you sort of just take them as a, as a group and say, all right, well, like, all right, this is that we know this is, the, you know, quote the the good group how do we sort of sort it from there? And the two things that I thought uh, that I found are not predictive, right? So things that don't predict future success of that group Mm -hmm. is rookie ADP and the order in which you went in the actual draft, right? So if you went one, compare that to someone that went eight or whatever, right? Like, both of those things are not predictive, right? They don't have statistical significance when trying to sort out those things huh. uh, in terms of trying to measure multiple or trying to measure hit hit rate in the future. Yeah. So, so that is, uh, to me, that is a, hey, we don't do a really good job of evaluating these guys. And that, that's not to knock on the dynasty community in general. NFL teams don't do a particularly good job of right. things, right? It's a really tough thing to do. And, you know, you could sort of look at metrics and the joke is, you know, well, if someone could just write the, uh, you know, write the, the theory that sort of explains quarterbacks, right? Like it probably would have already been written. Like we would know that, right? If it was a solvable problem, people have spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to draft quarterbacks. Someone would have figured it out already. Um, but it's just, it's really tough. And so like, when you sort of look at those things, like, you know, who would have thought a couple years ago that Josh Allen would be the most expensive quarterback from that draft class, 0% of the people. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, and again, so then, then it comes back to a lot of like, if you, if you sort of look at that class and you're like, all right, I'm going to take Baker at one Oh one or, you know, top three rookie pick or whatever, or I can take Josh Allen at, you know, two Oh six. Right, like the clear right answer is Josh Allen at 206, right? Because if you're sort of going with the fact that, Hey, we can't predict these things that well, let's sort of treat them as random. We'll take the cheaper ones, right? That's kind of like a lot of what I've found is is pretty successful. And when you can do two of those at the price of one, it's, it's a really interesting thing. The question is, is this year is this the year to do it, right? Sure. How much do I believe that that's true, right? Is it is it a small sample size thing? Is that a... Um, you know, is it is it just draft bad classes? Is that something that we should do this year? Um, you know, I have questions about Trevor Lawrence. Um, I have questions about Trevor Lawrence's ceiling, <laughs> um, and because if you look and sort of compare the ceilings in college of him to the other guys, right, he comes out not that high. Uh, he comes out with a really high floor, but you know, can you sort of capture that floor at a much cheaper price, right? Because I think that that probably is true. You know, so um, it's really interesting about how you sort of go about implementing that because you can take something that I think is a much surer bet that for a floor um, and probably get some ceiling on, you know, to get another uh, quarterback that can be a high ceiling player along with that. And it's a really interesting thing. I mean, what's the what's the move down from Lawrence to Stafford? Mm -hmm. And then what, you know, what's that cost? Right. Is that a is that something in the mid first where you can take another shot at quarterback? I mean that's that's a really interesting concept to me. So that's all stuff I'm trying to explore, and I, I haven't sort of made a rookie draft plan yet. But that's something from the book that I just keep I keep thinking about, and sort of keeps giving me caution in my head.
0: That that's also something that <laughs> this entire this entire game desperately needs, like some kind of clarity on that. And like, kind of, I think I want to get to rookie picks here. I could keep talking you know, the, the like market value is a concept with you, but, um, we, we also need to talk to people, you know, where they're at right now and rookie picks is that's, that's kind of the big one. That's the big mystery. Like, here's how it feels to me. And and I'm curious, you know, just kind of how you value them, um, how you, how you, how you use them, how you maximize mm-hmm. their pick value. But to me, you know, it feels like rookie picks feel like a hot potato essentially. like the the whole goal and and I th- like my my point being that I think that this is probably just kind of an overall, you know flaw in our in our collective process a little bit. But you know if it feels like the whole goal is to just like acquire these rookie picks. Um, because they're going to continue to, you know, increase in value up until the NFL draft. And then, but then it feels from there, they just kind of tank. Like once you put an actual name to them, you know, give it a, give it a, give it a name, give it a team, give it a life. Like all of a sudden, like it just, it just tanks and you don't want to be the one holding that pick. You know when when the time comes to actually make the pick like the 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 suboptimal thing to do is to make a rookie pick that's that's how it feels um in in i mean we see twitter polls of these you know these trades of like should i you know should i give give up matthew stafford for 112 should i you know um you know even better players than that going for you know 106 107 stuff like that and and it just, and this is every year. I mean, the, the rookie fever just, uh, just makes people delirious. Um, but it, like I said, it feels like the whole goal is to, you know, acquire these rookie picks, hold them a little bit longer, and then trade them before you actually have to make the pick. You don't want to get stuck with the pick. And I'm curious, like, if you found some way to kind of hack that for people a bit, like a way to, um, a, a way to work around that beyond, you know, simply just, you know, trade away the picks because their value is, you know, they're, they're overvalued.
1: Um, yeah. So generally speaking, I, I don't, um, I think generally speaking, picks are, undervalued. Now I, there's a lot of really? caveats that come with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of caveats that come with that and it, you sort of need the nuance of it to understand why mm-hmm. um, generally speaking, especially future rookie picks, right? So like 2022 picks right now, almost 2022 picks it almost up at till any point, like through probably October. Yeah. Because a couple cause there's a, a, a number of things that happen. Number one, if you're taking a future rookie pick uh you should treat it as random okay because there is so much that happens and it's it's very difficult to sort of predict the future right now about what's going to happen next year you should treat it as random too many people say oh it's going to be a late first right like we should go back and (laughs) check those because i bet there's a zero correlation between the two of them right it's it's just very very difficult to i just think
0: I ignore it when people tell me, yeah, it's likely to be a an, an early first.
1: Right. I mean, I, it's just not. You know, I don't. I don't. You know. Yeah. It's n- n- no. Uh, so knowing that it's random, uh, the other thing in that is right. So and in, in what you'll see is people vastly overestimate their their strength of their own first round pick. So mm-hmm. I did a study a couple of years ago. It was like just asking people, hey, what's your odds to win a, win a league? right? And I could have done it through hundreds of leagues and gotten the same result. But it was something to the effect of like it was uh Uh, like 2.8 times more likely to win the league than they were. So I think it was like 20, you know, the the (laughs) 20 of the, of the 12 teams, it was like 22.6% or something like that. Um, And when you sort of take it out, it ended up, whatever it ended up being, was like 2.6 or 2.8 times more likely, you know, it was like 260 or 280% of, uh, uh, added up of win, of win chance. Right. Which of course it was a one team league and there's one championship award, (laughs) hundred percent. Right. So, um, which is just, you know, people are overestimating <laughs> that. So that's valuable to know, right? Because A that the picks a lot more random and people are valuing their picks a lot later than than they will likely fall, right? Yeah. So that's so that's one thing. Um and even when you say a picks like later, right? If if you lose in the first round of, you know, I had a team that was absolutely dominant, right? The best team in the league by a pretty wide margin. Uh, you know, a couple of wins, right? Maybe like 150 points. Like that's a big deal at the, at the elite ranges. I, and I, I put up like a 185 spot, right? Which is for the scoring format is like outstanding. And I lost, right? So my pick, instead of it being 112, it ended up being like one, I think it was 110. I ended up winning, but that's a pretty big difference in terms of how you're valuing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and there's a lot more random than we think about how the outcomes of playoffs are going to be. Those are the things too. So, so we sort of look at that, the picks are a lot more random than we sort of put these hard things. You know, people say, oh, it's going to be a late 2023 pick I'm like, no, it's
0: not. Right? It's not do that. No um, way of knowing. You don't even know if you'll be in the league in 2023.
1: Correct, Stop being right. an asshole about this. Right, right. So, so that's the the two, you know, the the things there. And so, when you, but the other thing is, so when you sort of accept that a picks random, when you actually randomize the picks, it's not between 106 and 107, which would be the the middle of a round. It's at 105 because the the high end picks, right? The the weight that you give the picks isn't equal. Right, because the value of having 101 is a, and the difference between 101 and 102 is a lot greater than the difference between 111 and 112. Go back mm-hmm. to the Barkley year, right? Go back to the Zeke year, right? All of those things show up in terms of their production and their value, right? There's there's a huge upside in having a random shot. Uh, you know, I did this, and I detailed this in the book. I took a random shot at a future first for Damian Williams two years ago, and within like three months, the person was rebuilding. That picks 101 and It's a two quarterback league. I mean, that that is a massive windfall, right? That is a massive windfall that I have now, just because I took a random shot a couple of years out. Um, so that's one of the things right? I think that picks are generally undervalued in that sense. And the question is, is, sort of, how do you, right? If they're undervalued from a uh, from a perception perspective, um, I generally think too that that picks are undervalued in the uh, when you sort of just look at the production of them. Um, you know, you can do that different ways, right? I think if you put the right strategy to the picks, that they, you can sort of extract even more value. If you put the wrong strategy to them, you you don't, right? You 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 uh, make them look a lot worse than they are. Right? People overdraft wide receivers all the time right um, That's a classic one. Um, and so that's really I think you get the you get the the odds of the pick where it's going to be and then you kind of have to figure out what to do with it. Um, you know and, and so making suboptimal bets will only, crush that. Right. So, um, so that's generally the thing that I think where people get themselves in trouble is having the, the wrong expectation for the picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I just try to look at say, Hey, give me productive profiles. Right. And if I get productive profiles, I kind of know that they that they might rise in valuation, but I don't really care about like what I'm going to be able to trade in the future. Like if, you know, if we're going to say like, Hey, maybe half my roster's up, half my roster's down, something like that. Um, it's going to be, you know, I will have trade candidates. I'm just not going to be able to predict in the future, which ones they are going to be. I just keep taking good profiles. Ones that I think are going to be, uh, are, are going to be productive and sort of go from there. Um, the other thing I find a lot of value in is trading down. And uh, that's probably like, if you were to say, Hey, Jordan, what's your best dynasty skill? It's probably trading down in a rookie draft because I'm willing to sort of find a, uh, find player profiles that I like, uh, and, you know, get right to the number that I need to get to take them and take them. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't care about like, I'll leverage it up. Like I'll, 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 you know, have a huge share of, of picks or a huge share of a player. I don't have any problems with that because I think that the upside a player offers you, um, is much more important than the downside of missing on the pick. Uh, so, you know, for example, AJ Dillon and Brandon, Ayuk were a couple of guys that I was really on just because their profiles at their costs were just outrageous. And so I said, you know, I can leverage these up, get, you know, 40, 50%, uh, roster, you know, them on rosters and, you know, take those bets because at those prices, those are really good bets. And so, you know, doing that, right. So I tend to be, uh, and again, if you sort of are willing to play the patience game on people, trade down and get a future pick again, you're sort of taking the the easiest way to hit on picks is to have a, have more of them and B have them be higher. Right. So if you can sort of take those random shots, you sort of have that built in upside as well. So those are just some of the things that I do. Um, and generally, you know, uh, this is all sort of laid out in the book. I think you have to take good profiles. Right. And you have to, we have to stop taking bad profiles. Um, and if we can take, and a lot of that is just being sure on things, right. People talk with a lot of certainty about things that we have very little control over and very little ability to predict into the future and sort of appreciating those two things and be willing to take multiple bets instead of one or, you know, thinking about those things. That's why the Lawrence thing is really compelling this year. I, I can't say for certain about how I'm actually going to go on this, but I've got multiple one-on-ones and I'm like, like I kind of know, like, here's the historical play. Is this the play? Is this the playbook we want to execute? Right. And sort of how do we do that? Because there is so much opportunity there on both sides. Yeah,
0: man. And it gets so tough when, you know, people start talking about you've got generational talent here at your disposal and you're still like, yeah, but it like, so this is, this is the first time you and I talked, we, you know, you kind of asked me about, um, Uh, you know, I I had mentioned that I'm a business owner and that I Uh used some of my strategies in business, you know, I let that spill into some of my dynasty strategy. And uh, I didn't have great answers for you at that time. Since then, I've spent a lot of time trying to really kind of articulate um, some of those. And, And one of the big ones that I've come up with is, you know, is, is like go all in on what, you know, on what you Uh do best, you know, Uh on your best strategies. And so, like you said, I mean, you've got a playbook and, you know, here you are being told Trevor Lawrence generational talent, best, you know, best college quarterback prospect since, you know, Andrew Luck, maybe even Peyton Manning. Um, Yet, you know, your, your playbook is kind of telling you something totally different. Mm -hmm. What, what you know is that, you know, there's, there's, there's something that works regardless of, you know, you know, the, regardless of, of how hype this player is, how, you know, how, how much, um, how much you stand to lose by missing out on this, this player potentially, essentially like how do you navigate that like how do you how do you you know how how, what would it take I guess for you to uh to pass up on Trevor Lawrence at this point considering what we're being told versus you know what what you already know like is is there anything that you can that you can learn
1: that's gonna just push you off completely um I'm not going to say it pushes me off completely other than the value. Yeah. I mean, if we were taking Trevor Lawrence at, you know, 40 overall on a startup draft, like that's a lot different of a conversation. You essentially at this point where you're taking him, like you have to be right. And historically, this is not right. I mean, if, if he's a better version of Baker Mayfield, like that's a horrendous pick. Right. Right? Like that is a horrendous pick. And again, I'm not picking on Baker. Right. Um, but like, that is just a brutal, I mean, we did this with Baker Mayfield. Like, let's not forget, we've done this before. We've gone too early a quarterback and we've paid massive prices for them. All right. He was what quarterback three quarterback four that year quarterback two in some spots. Um, I mean, now he's like in the teens and you've taken a huge loss in in his, in his market value. Um, and again, you have a ton of concerns about his ceiling, right? All of those things. Right. Um, and that's just a, 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 if you had waited 12 months, right. You would have avoided that. Um, mm-hmm. You know? And, and again, the flip side of it too, is, is like, if you think about it, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, I made this argue, the same argument about Kyler Murray last year, which was essentially, it's essentially the, what Dallas did to Dak Prescott, right. Which is like, listen, I think he's probably good, but I, I don't need to pay him right now a gajillion dollars if I'm not certainly sold and you know, let him let's play it out. Let's see what happens. And, uh, if next year, like if he's good this year, he's probably going to cost about the same that he costs. you know, not, he's probably going to cost the same next year as he costs this year. Right. About, you know, you might have to pay a little bit of a premium, but it's probably worth it considering, I love this. Know, c- considering the fact that you, you have a lot more knowledge and a lot more comfort. Yeah. The taxes, if you if you're wrong, right? Like if 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 you sort of go that early and he's not as good as you think he is, that's a huge price to pay, right? So this is a lot of that. Like I think the Dallas Cowboys hit it exactly, and they and. They're vindicated too, by the way. Like the the Dak Prescott injury is horrible. He's one of my favorite players. I I love Dak Prescott. I I hate what happened to him. Like he was probably like going to be in the MVP conversation. Not probably. He definitely was in the MVP conversation. He was absolutely on pace to to win an MVP. Uh, If he would have, is a different story. But but I mean, that's the level of what he was playing at. Mm -hmm. Dallas was Dallas like now knows that, right. They know what that ceiling is. They know that he, you know, th- and they've had a lot of time to evaluate him. They sort of know, um, you know, wouldn't, and you just look at the teams that go too early in the NFL, right. I mean, it's that, it's that same list, right. It's golf, it's Wentz, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all of those guys. Right. And so I just, you know, when you look at the rest of the list, like the guys that have hit up there, that they've done the long-term contracts with Watson's hit, right. That's, that's a, that's a success. Given the extension to, even though he, I don't think he's played a snap on it yet. Uh, Mahomes is, I think, absolutely a success, even though I'm not sure he's played a. Um, you know, we'll see how that <laughs> how the whole contract looks. Both of those guys are still early in that window. Uh, Luck, Cam, and Sam Bradford. Uh, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't. I mean, maybe, maybe Watson or Mahomes is going to the to the Hall of Fame, but. Uh, there were all dips in those guys' valuations at some point. You know what I mean? So I just, I, I, you know, even the long-term guys. It just, you know, Stafford. And and to be fair, Stafford's one of my favorite quarterbacks. He was Mahomes before Mahomes, right? Like he was sort of this guy. Again, he didn't win a Super Bowl. He didn't win an MVP. All of those things. But he was the gaudy guy at like 23 years old. Sort of. How do we look at him now? Right? It's probably undervalued. Right. Yeah. So I just, I think, you know, when we sort of see these things, we have to be, cause sometimes perception can, can vary. Um, that's really the concern that I have. And I would be, um, you know, I will much rather wait a year and, and then have to pay a premium to wait a year. Right. Especially a quarterback, you know, um, because the, the, the hit rate's not that high. The, the one hit wonder rates really high as the one hit wonder, Factor is, is definitely a thing. And you're probably not like if Kyler Murray was going as quarterback two last year, you kind of knew you were never going to pay more than that for him. Right? Like right. Mahomes is probably going to be the quarterback one for like, he should, you could probably write it in pen for the next five years and feel comfortable doing that. Um, uh, you're just not going to get really dinged at the top end of that. Yeah, you lose your production, but you get that if you're playing dynasty for the right long term reasons, you're not going to take that huge loss in market value. So that's really the thing with me. I'd much rather take, you know, like if I'm looking at 101 or the decisions between 101 or Dak Prescott, like the, that decision is very easy. That is not a hard decision. Right, that is absolutely Dak Prescott. If it's one hundred and one or Deshaun Watson, like it's not a hard decision. That's absolutely Deshaun Watson. Just because you you kind of know they're the real deal, um, and is there theoretically more ceiling there? Maybe, but there's a whole lot lower of a floor as well. Yeah,
0: and and man, I love that. <laughs> By the way, it, like I think that that can be really really helpful to people if they if they really like let that <laughs> let that sink in. Because I can confirm, I'm I'm, I'm running six, uh, ADP Superflex startup ADP drafts, mock drafts right now for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Every single one of them. This is so. This is the first month where we have rookie players included, and then um, later on, I'm going to start some with rookie picks included. Um, but right now, all six of them, Trevor Lawrence went. You know, end of the first early second, which like, there's a little bit of room for him to move up, but I mean, he's, he has to have the type of season that Justin Herbert just had to move up from where he's at. And Justin Herbert just had a season that no rookie quarterback has ever had. So like, what are the odds of that actually happening? So, yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, what, what we're hearing here is, you know, the, just because Trevor Lawrence, again, we're being told generational talent, he's going to be just as available to you next year as he is this year, like roughly the same cost. And the fact that it takes, you know, very like top end, well known, um, and, and established veteran players to get to 101 tells you that, you know, because it, you know, we always say quarterbacks are cheapest in the draft and that's not just a startup that's that includes a rookie draft as well but in this particular case i mean trevor lawrence is cheap to whoever earned 101 for everybody else it's damn expensive the fact that you have to give up that that player you know that caliber of player to get 101 to get trevor lawrence and that i mean there's really no you know there's 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 no real return on that. You know, that it, it, at least from a trade value standpoint.
1: Yeah. And there's a whole lot of floor, right. And there's a whole lot of yeah. floor production too. Cause like I said, I mean, I, I don't, and I, I'm horrible at ranking players, right? Like I, 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 it's, it's very difficult for me to rank players because they don't occur on a linear scale There's there's ranges. Right. And then this, how do you value those ranges? Yeah. There might be a range of, yeah, he's, he's Baker Mayfield, right. There might be a range that he's Darnold, right. There might be, I don't know, 5% that he's Darnold. I don't know, 15% that he's Mayfield, you know, and you sort of gradually go up. You sort of have to think about those things. Right. I mean, and, and it's not, you know, does he have to be, and I mean, even Herbert, like Herbert was phenomenal rookie year. Should have all the accolades and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not top 10 quarterback production, right. In terms of like some of the EPA, it's, you know, some of the advanced metrics and stuff like, uh, you know, it's not elite quarterback yet. Right. Yeah. And so we sort of go, and I mean, a guy that's just, you just compare that to a guy that's like chronically underrated, like Kirk cousins, Um you know, there's a vast difference there in terms of market valuation. And if you're sort of willing to say, Hey, you know, I'll take, you know, what's the spread on that? It's outrageous. Right. I mean, and when you start to look at the two, you're like, all right, which one, like, which one do you feel more confident with doing, you know, whatever threshold acts, right. Top 12 quarterback. Like for me, it's probably cousins. Now, is that to say, is cousins ever going to put up a top three quarterback finish? Maybe not, right? Probably not at the volume that he's throwing at. But he was a very good last year. Very good last year. Just the volume was down. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with Herbert, like you, you have a wider range of outcomes than you do with Kirk Cousins, just because you know less about him. Right? That includes high, and that includes low. So that's just the thing that I would say with the young quarterbacks, right? We could sort of like them, but you have to appreciate the fact that if, like, if Trevor Lawrence is is as Mayfield or worse, right? Which maybe is only a 25% chance, right? That is a catastrophe at <laughs> the right. first rounds of a startup draft, a catastrophe, right? And so, um, you know, that would sort of be the thing that I would say, again, and, and it's random, right? So if you've, there's four of these guys, Mm -hmm. Right. Again, all you have to do is go back to the Josh Allen class. All you have to do is go back to last year where Herbert is now the most valuable guy. Right. And the guy that everyone thought was a generational passer might be uh, getting his uh, getting his ticket out of town in a potential trade in Tua because like they didn't trust him. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that we think we know, we just don't. And that's, that I would be just my, my, I would a lot of caution in terms of the types of quarterbacks, you know, and I break my quarterbacks down. I have to figure out how to do this. This is a new system for me. It's doing tiers. So I break my quarter at analytics, dynasty.com as part of the subscription over there. I break them down in terms of tiers of levels of comfort. Right. And I use it in, in windows, right. Of, of years. Right. So guys that I feel confident in like five year windows, it's only three guys. It is only three guys, and that's a combination of sort of subjective and objective stuff, right? How do I feel about the player? What is what have they, they proven? Some of the contract stuff, all that stuff. Their age, right? Um, it's art and science combined, and uh, it's three guys. It's Mahomes, it's Watson, and it's Winston, it's Wilson, right? Hmm. After that, for a variety of reasons, I feel confident about guys in two year windows. At least, two in, you know, in some cases, it's at least two years, right? It might be three or four. I don't think with Josh Allen, we know yet, right? Josh Allen's one of those ones that like, Hey, we don't have a prior on this. Mm-hmm. We've never seen a quarterback do this. Like, be this bad at being a passer basically his entire life. Again, this bad is sort of an exaggeration, but being a below expectation passer, right? Being a below expectation completion percentage guy, you know, being inefficient to being like MVP caliber, right? That, that we just don't have that comp. We just don't know. Um, is, is he the real deal? Like I sure as hell hope so. Cause the NFL is better when he's good than when he's not right. Right. That's the, the, the NFL is better when Buffalo is entertaining. Right. Um, I sure as hell hope so. Um, but there's uncertainty there, right. Um, there's uncertainty with Kyler Murray as a passer. There's uncertainty with Dak Prescott's injury, right? If Dak Prescott signs a five year, hundred and, you know, $75 million guaranteed contract, he's moving into the five-year window category, right? But we just have questions about the about the injuries. And so I am much more conservative with those guys in terms of making long-term bets that I'm really comfortable with. That's why I think like there's no price that's too high for Mahomes. Like mm-hmm. almost invariably, like when you make a trade, like I made a trade for Mahomes relatively recently and, and it was kind of like, I was having some conversation with some subscribers about it and I was like, I would have paid more. Yeah, I just, I don't even remember what the trade was, but I would have paid, you know, I would have paid more because you just, it's, it's that, it's that good, right? It's that high of a floor. It's that high of a ceiling. It's that much security. Like he's arguably, since we've been playing Superflex, he's probably the best Superflex asset we've ever seen. Just because, like, at his age with what he's done, you know, just as long as he doesn't keep getting banged up, like it's going to be damn good for a long time. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I, I, I,
0: I mean, I'm always going to come back to Aaron Rodgers. So, but like in all fairness, you know, it, there was no way to, to know at the time that, you know, this is the, we're looking at seven seasons as a top two quarterback, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we didn't, right. we didn't see that. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I mean, you can't assume that with Mahomes either. So. You know, it just, just again, it's, it's, it's the floor just as much as the ceiling and he's, he's just foundational,
1: but you know, I, uh, yeah, totally. I, he's totally, and that's, that's the thing, right? The yeah. the best part about him is he allows you to do so he's like the three in basketball. He allows you to do so many things, right? He allows yeah. you to do the, the strategies that you can employ on him are, are pretty, uh, you can do a lot of different things. Right? you can mm-hmm. sort of play a hey we're gonna sort of double up right in the league that I traded for him I sacrificed some value and I, I added him to Josh Allen right so it's yeah. it's I have him and Josh Allen right if that's successful right that's very. I mean that is like that that is a 60 point like uh, you know a 50 to 60 points a week as kind of a threshold. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's tough to look at an opponent (laughs) every week. And so even, you know, and so, and that, that cures a lot of problems, right. That it cures a lot of that. It cures a lot of rookie misses. That cures a lot of, (laughs) you know, it gives a lot of flexibility and plus it allows you to do the right thing. Right. So if I have a mid first, like I can take a quarterback, right. I can sort of do what's the right process. Right. Which is whether it's, you know, just take the best player and then I'm dealing from strength, right? And then I'm dealing from, Hey, if I ever wanted to trade Mahomes, I sort of know you know, what I could get. And it allows me to sort of develop guys in the right way. Um, you know, I'm usually not a trade up and startup drafts guy, but I think Patrick Mahomes is that level of, he's just that different, right? He's just, you know, we, the Rogers thing was before we really started to play super flex in mass. Um, but mm-hmm. if we sort of knew, right, if, if you knew, Again, you're going back, but if you sort of in that prime, you sort of saw a couple of those years at a at a Rogers. Like, there's nothing you wouldn't pay for that, right? Right. I mean, even if you went back, like you could, you you would, yeah, would absolutely take that, right? And and even now, like he's now he's undervalued, right? And that's a lot of. It's funny because we keep trying to pick these ascending guys, and a lot of times it's just the guys that are old faithful right? I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. the Rogers, it's the, it's the Brady's uh, again, he's, his values a little bit different. It's a different conversation, but you know, people were ragging on Rogers coming into the season. And I was just like, it's just his touchdown rate. Like if his touchdown rate rebounds, he's going to be fine. And yeah. lo and behold, that's what it did. Then, you know, it's not sustainable for sure what it was this year. But if you sort of look at it in the past couple of years, it was down. And now, you know, you average in this year, you take the last three years and it's right <laughs> at what his career averages. Voila, you know what I mean? Like that stuff yeah. happens. And and that's a lot of that's random. Yeah. Yeah, exactly,
0: and and you know, it, it it he's he's closer. He was closer in twenty twenty to you know what he's going to be going forward than you know than he was in in twenty nineteen. But like, I, so I I kind of have to. Uh, I think that every time I talk to you, I kind of have. You know, I obviously like plenty of takeaways, but like some of them end up actually being kind of tent poles, um, adjustments to, you know, to the, to the QBX strategy, to the super flex flywheel. And I think that one of them is going to be now like, like this is this, this isn't meant to be earth shattering. This isn't meant to be, you know, you, you. You messed up, like we're just now we're changing everything with the strategy or anything like that. But I do think like what you've kind of convinced me of, I already had Pat Mahomes ranked, you know, number one overall in Superflex, the number one asset in Superflex. He's in his own tier for me, in fact. Like he's even ahead of, you know, Watson and Murray and Allen and the and and Prescott and those guys. He's in his own tier. Mm-hmm but I think that like we can, we can kind of take this a step farther and say, you know, quarterback extreme strategy where it, it, it's, it doesn't have to be as extreme. If you're starting off one-on-one with Pat Mahomes, if you're in that situation, because the big thing with QBX is it's, it's quarterbacks early it's quarterback often we're talking like, you know, minimum of five quarterbacks. And, uh, but if you have Pat Mahomes, like the, the, The big reason to do it for me it's 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 less about the trade value that's the piece that people love to hear is the return that you could get when trading a quarterback Uh, but for me like the 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 bigger reason to do it is the ability to stream quarterbacks within your roster the you know the the advantage that you can create on a weekly basis by taking advantage of good matchups ends up being, you know, in a neighborhood of 20 points a week. Like you're basically adding two starters to your lineup if you're able to stream quarterbacks within your roster. But the pro- with, with Pat Mahomes, I don't think that you're really taking him out of your lineup <laughs> in really any case. So there's not, you know, you're, you're really just kind of streaming between, you know, two or three quarterbacks at the super flex position. I don't think that you need five of them at that point. If you've got Pat Mahomes just kind of solidifying that one. So yeah, like there's, there's, there was just an amendment just now created just total <laughs> stream of consciousness to the QBX strategy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I think that that's going to be a, like I said, kind of a tent pole for me going forward is the, the Pat Mahomes exception, um, yeah. I, just yeah. real quick, like uh-huh. I, I, I'm curious about some of your tent poles in a superflex uh-huh. startup. Um, just some of your tent pole strategies, and you know we're we're short on time. I I had all these questions I was gonna ask, <laughs> and I don't think we really got to any of them. Probably should have seen that coming, but, um, <laughs> so I just wrote these questions just to, sh- just to prove to you, Jordan, that, like I, 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 am a professional at this. I do my homework, I prepare, and then we get in here and, and just talk about whatever the hell we want, but <laughs> I still put in the work up front. Yes, um, but I, but I, I do think that, uh, that people would love to hear about some of those tentpole strategies before we get out of here.
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said, we've, t- it's a lot of stuff we've talked about. I think, um, you know, as a general rule, I think that you want to take guys that you sort of know who they are. Right. And mm-hmm. that's multi- typically, you know, I have in the books, I sort of detail sort of how, what I look for. But, but generally speaking, it's guys that uh, you know, have multiple hits. Right. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. When you sort of look at those guys, it's it's a lot higher future outcomes than it is. If they don't, so that's that's the the threshold thing, and then I think from there, you know, I like to pare down my board, right? And I like to think about, you know, if I'm going to take a quarterback in the top, uh, you know, if I'm going to take a quarterback that I sort of need to be a cornerstone guy for me, I sort of need to know that he's good, right? That I need to know, Mm -hmm. right? I can't, I, there's always risk that they're going to be bad, but I sort of need some threshold insulation, And I think more and more we see this, the more and more we need to narrow that group, right? I mean, guys that I thought would be in that group of, of pretty secure guys going forward were Jared Goff and Carson Wentz that changed very quickly. Right. And so I think more and more, I see this, the more and more, I sort of limit my board to guys that I'm really, really comfortable with. So that's why I sort of say the five and the two year plan. And then again, I have more tiers than that. Um, you know, it's not to say that it's, it's linear either, right? There's, there's different ranges in in that as well. Um, so that's what the thing, and then I, I, I start from there and say, all right, here's the guys that I feel comfortable with. Right. And that's the, one of the big things about why I think Mahomes and, um, and Watson really um, are, are so valuable is that they give you so much flexibility, right? Because then you can say, all right, well, I can, I can feel comfortable with quarterback two here or, and that might be a level down. Then if you were to say my quarterback one is, you know, I don't know, um, you know, Matthew Stafford, right? Your quarterback two and three in that situation need to look a little bit different. Um, and so that gives you a lot of, you know, you just need to know that. Right, you need to sort of know that the difference between those two things. Each year is different too. Like last year, I think in the teens there were there were values of plenty, and that might be true, you uh, know, in, in July. Uh, right now, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know per se uh, what Matt Ryan's situation is. For example, we don't know the quarterback in San Francisco is going to be. We don't know, you know, what Wentz looks like. We don't know about Winston's outlook. Right, all of these guys that could potentially be in there. There's a lot of uncertainty with. So that's. Uh, those are all uncertainties. So I think that at this point, if I'm doing a startup now, run to safety, run to security, get to guys that you feel really, really good about. You can play a little bit different of a strategy in August when you sort of know when you have an idea. Hey, you know, if Winston's gonna be the starter in in New Orleans, that looks a lot different than right now. You're sort of taking a spec bet on him. Right. He looks a lot different as a quarterback three when you know he's gonna be the starter versus right now when you when you don't know that. Um, so those things are all, uh, are all things that I would think about. And then I sort of work from there, right? I, I sort of do a similar thing at wide receiver. Give me the guys, you know, I think people love the, the new up and coming wide receiver. Uh, you know, they'll love rookies. We'll sort of overvalue them. Generally speaking, rookies are, there's about a four round tax in terms of uh, their quote potential going forward. What I mean by that is guys that are um, guys that haven't hit yet compare in terms of future production, look a lot like wide receivers drafted four rounds later than them that have hit. Right. So if you think about Jamar chase, I don't know if he's a third or fourth round startup pick, something like that Uh, on normal expectation, the guy in about the seventh round that has hit previously, you know, I don't know someone like maybe Amari Cooper, Mike Evans has a better expectation or about the same expectation as Jamar chase would. And you're paying four rounds less than him. Right. So when you think about those things, that's why that's why value doesn't much matter to me, because there's these efficiencies that I'm just going to gravitate towards and it's going to allow me a lot of flexibility. So those are really the things that I do. And then, you know, working from there, I think, um, you know, each year is different, though. Right. So typically I'd be wide receiver early and I would tend to be a little bit later on quarterback. I don't think that I don't think you can do that at this point in twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you kind of have to go if you, I think you kind of have to go early at quarterback to get at least one and then you can take multiple shots later. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of, I'm fine doing that. You know, I'm fine taking a lot of shots. I mean, I think, you know, I think Winston's a, is a, a guy to take a shot on right And where he's going because the upside's really high. I think Wentz you know, as much as this pains me to say, me is probably undervalued. Um, you know, golf is probably undervalued, you know, talk about a guy that's probably in a two-year window. It's probably Jared Goff, mm-hmm. Um, and that's people aren't necessarily that attracted to it. Um, you know, we could talk about that trade too, which was fascinating, but, uh, but all of these things, right. I tend to sort of look at, I think generally speaking, it can come back to taking good profiles at good prices, right? Nice. Cause you, we, we tend to take a lot of bad profiles at too expensive prices. Right. Um, and sort of look for guys that, that have good profiles at good prices. And that's really, that's really, that's kind of sums up my strategy and sort of, I think the key is to know what the good profile is and then know what the right price is. Right. And so, um, you know, and we see this, right. Like this isn't, you know, the DJ Moore where DJ Moore is going wide receiver one. Well, now we sort of see, Hey, his, his, ceiling is a little bit lower than we thought. Now he's you know, in the teens. You're like, okay, well, that's a really good price for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's There's probably a middle there that we're sort of overcorrecting for. Clyde edwards Lair's is another one. Market's probably overcorrected on his profile. It probably has. And we sort of look at that. It's really lucrative. So I was sort of underneath where he was. I haven't really much moved on my opinion of him. And now right. all of a sudden Before, I'm on yeah. the buy side of him, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay. Like I just, but I just traded for him today, and it was like, okay, like I, I, David Montgomery. David Montgomery did—you couldn't have much expected more of what he's done to start his career than what he has done, right? Which is a top twenty-four finish and a top, I think he top ten. I think he was top eight, six, something like that. He finished this year. You couldn't have like the 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 percentage of guys that do that it, from his pedigree is very, very low. Right. So he was, a. I mean, he's probably in the top 20% of, if not higher than that of, of round three running backs. And yet his price is falling. I yeah. mean, to me, that's like, okay, again, I was below market on him as a rookie. And now all of a sudden, I'm the pro David Montgomery guy. and Nothing has really much changed other than him being better than we thought he was going to be. <laughs> I don't get it. You know what I mean? So a lot of those things happen. And I just think, you know, defining those good profiles and th- the prices are always are, are are there, right? There's inefficiencies to constantly exploit. And I think being selective at the price points is, is really the key. So that's really me. I don't have a super... Everyone's like, what's analytics of dynasty? I was like, ah, it's, it's, you know, efficiency, it's players at profiles. I mean, it's, it, that's really what it is. Yeah. If you've got a minute, we, we could talk about
0: Stafford and Goff. I'd um, love to talk about Stafford and Goff. Let's, let's do it because I, you know, I had to do an immediate rankings update. Um, and, and it was a little difficult. Um, and, and I think that people, you know, people have kind of <laughs> gone back and forth on Matthew Stafford. Um, that one's a, a little less important, although I, I do, I do want to get to it a little bit because, um, you know, I kind of tweeted about my rankings update and, um, at one point you snuck in there and just said, hashtag QB wins. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's something that I want to get your thoughts on. But, you know, because I, I think that part of what was driving his value at the time was the notion that now he's going to a better nfl team and um which you know first first of all i don't think necessarily needs to uh have any have all that much to do with fantasy production um but i am curious about your thoughts on that but you know the the other problem for me was you know from an nfl standpoint i don't I, I'm curious how many, you know, how many more wins Matthew Stafford is worth than Jared Goff. And that's where the deal, you know, got kind of confusing for me. Um, I, Jared Goff's been winning there. <laughs> like he's, uh-huh. he's, he's led them to the playoffs three of the last four years. He got them to the Super Bowl. It, you know, it it's not, I, I don't, I don't see what Matthew Stafford brings that gets you that much closer to a championship than what Jared Goff was already doing. So like there's a there's a lot to this. I I you know people are people are also pretty worried about Jared Goff. I think that there's kind of con- the concern that you know they he moved once, maybe now he moves again and you know maybe Detroit drafts a you know a a, a rookie quarterback to Eventually take over for him, like it, it's starting to feel like a very short-term proposition with Jared Goff. So there's just a lot of moving parts to this, and a lot of uncertainty. You know, a lot of a, a lot of muddy water essentially. Um, that, it, it, like I, I and I wade through whichever whichever parts of it you want. <laughs> just you know, um, skip around the rest of it. Whatever you know, the parts that uh, that are compelling to you. Uh, I would love to get your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, so I'll try and pare them down um, over the past, basically since got, since uh, McVay has been with the Rams yeah. uh, from a statistical perspective, just an NFL statistical perspective. And the easiest way to look at this is expected points added, which tells you, you know, basically how many. Uh, points you can expect from a quarterback's play, essentially, and completion percentage over expectation. So that's basically do you complete more passes than you're expected to based on sort of difficulty of throws, right? Boiling it down to essentially two numbers. Um, basically, the two, the best two numbers that you can use to evaluate NFL quarterback play. They're exactly the same. Okay, they are the, literally uh, Matthew Stafford is one uh, one thousandth of a point better and the composite ranking in those two um, than golf is. They're exactly the same. Uh, they are exactly the same in terms of uh, success rate, 47.8%. They are exactly the same in uh, EPA, which is expected at, expected points added per play. They're uh, two thousandths of a point difference. So 0. 0.136 for Stafford, 0. 0.138 for Goff. And then expected completion percentage is slightly uh, ahead for Stafford ahead of Goff. Um, so that's essentially the same player uh, is statistically. I think when you sort of think about that for a second, that there's one critical fact in there that's that weighs in those numbers for golf and not for Stafford, which is Sean McVay. Right. And all of the, the options that McVay uh, should give to Stafford that he never had in Detroit, which is a high efficiency offense, that, that can really add to what he does. And I think that there's plenty of arguments that you could say of, Hey, there's limitations that that McVay thought there was limitations to golf, which we know after the fact to be true. We don't know sort of precisely how they showed up in terms of how the offense ran, but we sort of know that he wasn't, uh, he thought that there were limitations there based on everything that has happened. So there's probably stuff there that Stafford can unleash for them that has not been unleashed. Right. So I think when you sort of look at those things, if you just sort of, uh, and, and play action, by the way, is one of them. Stafford's a really good play action passer. They ran last year. It was like the 19th most, most play action, uh, attempts for Detroit. And it was top five for, for the Rams. So just that alone is going to add a couple of, uh, tens of yards per attempt to Matt Stafford that takes him from looking like somewhere in the you know the low teens to being a top 10 guy just that right just throwing more play action and assuming nothing else right in terms about the efficiency of any of the other stuff so I do think there's plenty of upside there for for the Rams and for Stafford for a, a trade you know for dynasty I think it's fascinating because uh, you're putting Stafford into a better situation so it bumps his value and I actually think it helps golf perversely Uh, because with golf, we had questions, you know, this might've been early, you know, early January issues. um, And these things can tend to move a little quickly, but you know, there was conversations that he was going to compete with John Wofford as being the starting quarterback. I mean, I don't think that was ever really realistic. Um, maybe that was more trade, you know, trying to influence trade values or something like that. But uh, I don't think that was ever really going to happen, but you sort of had this uncertainty with them. Like, Hey, there, there, there's questions there. Are they going to address it with a backup? Are they going to, you know, all of these questions. I think now when you sort of look at this trade, I think it's pretty clear to me that Detroit watched Jared Goff. And the reason I say that is, is when you look at the court, the trades that you've had for quarterbacks, as we talked about it from a Holmes in the NFL perspective for or in the dynasty perspective for the NFL, a lot of times it costs like two to three first round picks to move up in, in a trade to get a guy in the NFL draft. And again, if we're talking about like a 30% hit rate uh, in terms of some of those top 10 guys those first round guys, the guys that are being moved up for um, it's That's a really low hit rate with Stafford. We have a really good idea of who he is outside of injury. Like he's probably going to be successful. Is he going to be Patrick Mahomes? Probably not. But is he going to be Sam Darnold? Like that's probably not in his range of outcomes, assuming he's healthy. So you sort of are naturally bumping up your odds. Um, It'll cost you two to three first round picks to do that trade for a rookie. Right. do it for a guy that you sort of know who it is and those are like mid first a lot of times right that's the the hey you had to move from 15 to you know two or whatever it was for the eagles right when you sort of look at these trades it costs them three first round picks typically to move that that range Mm -hmm. they spent two and uh what was i think a third round pick as well and there's a there's a year discount on them right (laughs) there's they're in the future so the whole idea that the that the that the Lions took an extra first to get back off just is nonsense to me. I, I think that's highly unlikely because if if they were sort of going to go that route of hey we want to sort of uh, you know we want these elite uh, an elite pick they would have just done a Carolina deal right like it, to me it really speaks to the fact that they are interested in golf. You look there's a relationship with the general manager there. I doubt that they address quarterback. I think they have plenty of other needs and I think golf's. Good enough to sort of uh, sustain them. There's, there's not 32. The, the messy little secret about all this stuff. There's not 32 franchise guys walking the face of the earth at any given time. There's yeah. just not, <laughs> right. It's so not there close. might be, there might be 20 to 25, right. And then you can sort of bake in some other guys that you have questions about. Um, golf's one of them, right? Like, and that doesn't seem particularly attractive to say, but golf is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so when you sort of look, I mean, the difference between golf and Bridgewater, like absolutely give me golf. You know, I just, I think about all those things and it's just like, there's no way that, 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 that was what the math was on the Stafford deal, right? It, it costs two plus first to get a first round, first round quarterback. Like if it costs you four first to do, to get to Sean Watson, you do that like tomorrow, right? Like mm-hmm. if he became available and you could trade, you know, it, it, the basically add two first to the golf deal, to the Stafford deal, you do that like mm-hmm. tomorrow, right? You don't wait because the, the impact of him. And I mean, the, the track that he's on all these guys, like it's really expensive to do it because it's the most important position in the, in the sport, you pay it. Right. And that's kind of what they did. Um, and I, so I don't think at all that this is a golf throw. This isn't an Osweiler deal to me. This isn't a salary dump situation with golf. This is a, Hey, we think that he can be the guy. Maybe we can resurrect some value there. He has a relationship, you know, they, they know him because the GM was the GM for the ramp was a, was a front office person for the Rams, Like they know what they're getting. And to me, that's not a salary dump. So I think it actually shores up his floor quite a bit. And it makes me feel pretty good about um, pretty good about Hawkinson and Swift because you kind of know what you're going to get. We'll see what the rest of the receiving core looks like. But I think that offense is going to look pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Part of, I, th- I think part of what's scaring people off, like <laughs> I, I I get it it's hard to conceptualize what this is going to look like in August when we're here in February, mm-hmm. you know, but like we know that they're going to have professional wide receivers on the Detroit lines. I know that we don't know who the, who that's going to be. And in fact, like, it sounds like the, you know, the salary that they're taking on with Goff is going to make it tougher to bring back Kenny Galladay, for instance. Um, Marvin Jones is also he's he's a free agent he's you know he's gone they're gonna bring in somebody though <laughs> you know so and mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing that people have a hard time with is just looking at it right now and seeing I mean Quintez Cephas is kind of your wide receiver one right now and, and their so, wide receiver
1: one <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you know so when you when you think about drafting Jared Goff. You know, part of that package includes Quintez Cephas as your best wide receiver, and, and well, I mean, Hawkinson is your wide receiver one there, by the way, right mm-hmm. at the moment, um, right. and it's not going to stay. That and
1: Swift way. is too.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, and it's not going to stay that way. It's going it's going to get better, but um, yeah, I mean, you do have to, you you have to, you know, speculate a little bit. Um, but it's like, these are safe assumptions that we're asking you to make. So, um, but like, I I mean, so in the worst case scenario though, like what kind of, what do you project for Jared Goff? Um, you know, kind of what range I uh, like, I know that analytics loves him. We've talked, we've talked about him uh, all three times that we've gotten together now, just because like, that's what you want, right. Is, is the start to the career that jared goff has had um like the the analytics say that you know this is this is sustainable and uh you know so it's it it's like it's safe kind of what you're talking about he's got mm-hmm. a safe profile um but what's what's kind of the in a worst case scenario you know where you know it, it Call it a new group of wide receivers. Maybe they're not all that inspiring, you know. Maybe you're looking at a at a group of guys like Alshon Jeffrey and and you know, like it, they could mm-hmm. they could go, you know, bargain bin diving mm-hmm. for for wide receiver. Um, how much is that going to move the needle for you as far as? You know, projecting Jared Goff and saying, you know, this is this is still going to be a safe asset for Superflex, and just maybe just even in general, like does the how much does the group the weapons available to him, how like how much does that move the needle? Um, you know, for for somebody who's just kind of been consistent all uh, you know all along.
1: Yeah. I think it's more of a floor play than a ceiling play. Right. So yeah. I think you look pretty good in a couple year window and then we'll reevaluate. Right. I mean, that's, uh, but I think if you're sort of looking over the next 24 months, like where is he right now in relation to where he is over the next 24 months, it's, I have a hard time seeing how he's anywhere near a ceiling. And if right I don't think he's, I don't think his floor as much. I mean, when you go past like 20, like, Hey, I mean, and again, now we'll add in some starters. Like we're talking like Darnold, Daniel Jones. I mean, that's, that's a world of difference, an absolute world of difference. Um, So that's, you know, that's like the, the, you know, you would have put Dwayne Haskins there before his whole kerfuffle. I mean, then you're looking at like Ben, you know, like, I don't know. Like uh, just, you feel a lot better about golf as a floor play uh, to me. I mean, that's again, and that's, I think, I think it matters what you're trying to do. Right. And so people ask me like, Hey, what do you think about this trade? And i will be like, well, what are you trying to accomplish with golf? I think if you're trying to accomplish a guy you feel good about in a couple of your windows, like a quarterback two range, fine. Book it. Right. It's cheap. If you're looking for a guy that's going to crack a top six finish, eh, probably, probably not. Right. That's probably not what we're expecting, but do we expect something like along the lines of like Andy Dalton with a little bit more like that? Mm The kind of sounds about like what you might expect, right that he kind of has that uh, it's a little bit different in terms of pedigree, but he kind of looks a little bit like Andy Dalton's career looked uh, in terms of his fantasy um, you know his his fantasy successes. So uh, yeah, I mean, I mean he's got multiple hits on his on his resume and he's not that old. Right. And so when you sort of look at that, like, I think there's value there. Um, and, and the other thing I'd say too, about them is, Hey, you know, like you do have some interesting, like Swift and Hawkinson are, I think are difference makers at their position. And then you say, okay, well there's problems that we're receiver. Sure. But I mean, let's look to that Anthony Lynn again, he didn't call plays, but he was the head coach uh, for, for the the chargers. They had a top 10 passing offense every year he was there. And when you sort of say like, wow, that's not really his perception. Like he was this run heavy guy, like, Nope, they were the, you know, and he was Herbert's coach. <laughs> I mean, so, so, I mean, I would say that like, Hey, it's this, it's this horrible drop-off. Like it is a like anything from McVeigh is a drop-off. Like yes. But I don't think that the floor is this catastrophe that I think some people are making it out to be. I don't think he's a salary dump. I think he's a starting quarterback probably the next couple of years. Again, do they draft someone next year? Um, you know, maybe, uh, I doubt that they're going to do it this year Would just be my inclination. I don't think that's what they're going to do. And, you know, do you rehabilitate some value between now and then, right? You might, and then you can maybe move off of it, right? You can sort of do that. But I think that you... I don't think the floor gets much worse than it's at right now. I just don't think he's going to really drop in value. I mean, once you add rookies in, maybe he'll he'll slide just naturally because of that. But, um, yeah, you'll get three or four guys that go ahead of him probably. But, um, you know, besides that, in terms of the existing veteran pool, like he's not going to really uh, have a hard time seeing him drop all that much. And that's, you know, at that cost. I mean, if that's a quarterback three, in Superflex, like that's a really safe option, right? That's, a, that's a, over the next couple of years. That's a really safe option. Um, again, we overstate the three, four or five year window. We overstate it, right? There's not a ton of security there. Just, there's just not a lot of guys that we feel that great about even with Stafford, like could Stafford retire in the next couple of years? Like that's always been a concern of mine with some of his health problems and his wife's health health problems. And he's played for a long time. Like, Um, you know, that's not unreasonable to me, um, kind of to like a sort of Andrew luck type, uh, you know, trajectory to his career. So that would just sort of be the thought. If you're feeling two years about a guy like Jared Goff, I think you feel pretty good about that, especially at his cost. So that would sort of be my thought there again. Is he a top six guy? Probably not. Is he a top, is he a, is he a, you know, quarterback 28 finisher, probably not either. Right. So that's kind of where you're looking for, which again, I, I tend to think, you know, one of the things I tell in the book is a lot of, a lot of times it's about hitting doubles, right? It's about hitting, it's about trying to hit fairways in golf, right? Like, you know, I could try and take my driver and swing it every hole and hit it OB or hit it, you know, into the woods or hit it, you know, into a pond. But if I hit my three wood out in the middle of the fairway, like, yeah, I might be giving up some distance, but I'm also not dropping, four times off the tee and hitting three there. You know what I mean? There's right. a good chance that my third shot, if I hit three wood, there's a good chance my third shot is going to be up somewhere near on the green There's a decent shot. If I hit my driver that I'm going to be uh, hitting three off the tee again. So, you know, having that different approach, you know, would you rather take Darnold or golf? Like those are not a close call. Like it's it's absolutely golf. So that's sort of how I look at it and how I'd sort of evaluate him
0: nice. I like it. I mean, I think that, like I said, I I, I think that people are, and and I'm kind of seeing it, like I'm trying to find him in one of these mock drafts. And uh, I get the impression that here in the 13th round, Jared Goff has not been drafted. Uh, Taysom Hill has Cam Newton has that's
1: crazy, right? Yeah, that's that's insane. (laughs) That is insane.
0: Again, I like Taysom Hill.
1: Yeah, again, like Garoppolo hasn't sniffed any Anything that that goff has done, he hasn't sniffed it. Like, uh, I mean, Taysom, like, and I actually like Taysom Hill. Like, when you look at the numbers, it's not horrible, Um, it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. Um, and if you sort of were to, you can, I think there are strategies there that you can, you can sort of employ with him that, that, you know, certain stacking situations that are really high upside, but, um, you know, that is a, that's insane. Right? Yeah. I mean, in the third, like you're getting a starting quarterback in the, in the, the mid teens, right. That's out. That's, that's insane. So, yeah. I mean, that's just a clear cut value to me. Yeah.
0: I think ultimately his ADP is going to end up somewhere around like the eighth round, but that, I mean, that still sounds pretty low. That's like Derek Carr territory. That's, you know, um, Daniel Jones territory and, and again, like, I, yeah, give me golf over those guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, think that, uh, that, that therapy session a little bit, letting, giving people that sense of security with Jared Goff um, is, uh, is vitally important. And I think the ADP kind of, kind of plays that out, but that's the type of thing, uh, you know, the, the, the the logic behind it the reasoning behind that that and so much more you get from analytics of dynasty and i know jordan like i haven't read the book yet i haven't bought the book yet so um i i couldn't possibly do it justice so before we get out of here i'm gonna let you tee it up and and um you know tell us tell us what's in the book how to get our hands on the book uh, well, our eyes on the book. We're not. We're not doing. We're not doing hard
1: copies anymore. It's yeah. My folks. there's yeah. There's no. Uh, it's <laughs> weird. My book events. No one comes to because they say social distancing. Uh, <laughs> just just like signing people's tablet screens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah We're like damn it <laughs> yeah when when the whole social isolation thing came you know social distancing came in i was like i've been preparing my entire life for this moment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh yeah so you can go to analytics of um it's it's on sale there um and uh yeah it's uh 39.99 you can go ahead and get the book uh and um yeah, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's a lot of stuff we talked about. It's a lot about decision-making, right. It's a lot about framing decisions, right. Having, I mean, having the right expectation on, on a draft pick, right. In terms of, <laughs> Make it really easy to tra- tra- uh, draft Jared Goff in the 14th round of a startup draft. Right? I mean, that's those are the things that are. I mean, uh, sometimes it's just sometimes there's a low hanging fruit, and that's a classic example of it. Um, you know, and sort and thinking about those things, thinking about profiles, right? Thinking how value moves, right? Thinking about should we care about it, right? If if Jared Goff is never more expensive than he is right now, is that a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's a, that's totally divorced from how usable is in your starting lineup. So that would be something that I sort of delve into in the book about why that's probably a mistake and a lot of the strategic decisions that we make. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the stuff we talked about, like a lot of the stuff is in the book, you know, looking at proper profiles, looking at strategies. You can hear my story about how, you know, putting driver away, uh, made me a, a Champion golfer, which is kind of um, tongue-in-cheek <laughs> reference there, but uh, but yeah, all those things I think are I think are really really helpful. A lot of the rookie draft metrics, a lot of the rookie draft expectations, knowing sort of the type of profiles to make when they're too expensive, all of those things are really helpful in terms of stuff that you can be doing this time of year. I think this time of year is really a time to think big picture, right? We get to, you know into the minutia of of rookie you know tape and metrics and all this stuff. Like if you just take a step back for a few weeks, really think strategically. So much of what we, uh, so much of what we talk about in the book, will really, really help you and move the needle on you in terms of in terms of process. So you can find that all there. And again, I have a bundle with. I actually think the best way to consume analytics at Dynasty is read the, uh, the 2020 and the twenty twenty, the twenty twenty one edition together. So I have a bundle over there. Um, you can get both of them, and I, I I think that's the best way to really go about thinking about you know it, it in total because they look at kind of two two different spheres of of thinking on it and they, they work, I think really, really well together. So yeah, you can find all that. And then if, you know, if you're looking for more dynasty content, I have um, a dynasty daily podcast that I do at um, as a part of my membership to my site analytics of dynasty. So you can find all that over at analytics, dynasty.com. I've got metrics, tiers, all that stuff going on over there. So yeah. dot dynasty.com. If you have questions, you can feel free to hit me on Twitter at McNamara dynasty. There's uh, the
0: companion podcast, the analytics of, dynasty there's uh the the dynasty podcast along with chad parsons over at football guys you're a busy man (laughs) (laughs) and uh i i'm just glad that uh that we found the time in uh in your crazy ass schedule thank god for that maybe maybe this pan this pandemic ended up being a mixed blessing so that there was a little bit of time to get together with you jordan but yeah we need to do it more often so um as much as I'm sick of quarantining, maybe we do it just a little bit longer, long enough to get one more of these shows in together and uh turn it into a a uh um twice a year instead of just once.
1: You can make it twice a <laughs> month
0: and I'll be here. You just tell me when and I'll I'll find the time to be here. Oh, so don't, you have no worries about that. Don't tempt me, man. Don't tempt me. <laughs> Yeah. we we will. I mean, it doesn't even have to be for a podcast. Like I just enjoy (laughs) getting together and chatting with you about whatever comes up. So we'll sell tickets to a zoom. You and I have a zoom and we'll sell tickets to it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. Like I said, we hit the top. We do have to record. We have to make sure that (laughs) that it doesn't just get lost forever. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do it again very soon. Um, I think maybe we need to catch up with you before the NFL draft, uh at the very least and, and get awesome. your thoughts on some rookies and so yeah again at MacDamera dynasty Jordan thanks so much for coming on
1: john pleasure to be here thanks so much for having me
0: always always my pleasure let's wrap it up there for the week subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts mega feed uh subscribe to super flex city get all the great content that we've got coming from super flexing not just from the super show but super flexible super flex perks Snake in the draft, and all the new podcasts that we've been creating—from uh, commissioner stuff, trade, super flex trades, superflex um, trades, uh, what is it—the the value of variant or the variance of value. There you go. <laughs> so many new new podcasts coming out every single week on that feed. So check that out as well. Um, but do us a favor though. Once you subscribe to the Super Show, uh, rate and review it. Help us to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Uh, get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. But even better, just come to me individually as Superflex Dude. I'm a million times better at checking that one. Uh, I can, uh, you know, retweet, trade polls for you, and answer questions in DMs. Whatever you got, but yeah, uh, just, uh, just, <laughs> just come to me individually. We've got it. The Super Show account i have no idea why at this point um just just yeah let's just talk one-on-one instead uh, this episode is dedicated in loving memory to james the brain Catullus thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy yeah.